Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Welcome back to our study in the book of Proverbs. We're in chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 35. Now, um, I'm going to read from verse 27 to the end of the chapter so that we can get an idea of the context. And again, remember that the reading of Scripture is just as important as studying Scripture. And many times the reading of Scripture is neglected by the believer, and it is also neglected by the local church that Paul encouraged Timothy to the public reading of Scripture. Um, Proverbs 3, verse 27. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it. When you have it with you, do not devise harm against your neighbor while he lives securely beside you. Do not contend with a man without cause if he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious are an abomination to the Lord, but he is intimate with the upright. The curse of the the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Though he scoffs at the scoffers, yet he gives grace to the afflicted. The wise will inherit honor, but fools display dishonor. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I come before you, Lord, with eternity. Um, on my mind and the lives of these young people who are listening to this video. Oh, dear God, I pray that even in their youth, they would see what most of the elderly do not see, that life is fleeting. It's like a vapor. It's like dew on the grass that burns up with the morning sun. Oh, dear God, cause them to see that their life is but a cloud, but a mist. Cause them to see, Lord, that the clock is ticking and the days are moving, and soon they will be standing before you in judgment. Oh, Father, I pray that they would live lives for eternity. And that, Lord God, they would shun this world and all its accolades, all its awards. And they would seek your face, seek your smile, your pleasure, your approval. To do that which is right in your eyes, O God. They would serve their generation. 
Oh, dear God, please bless them with a vision of Christ, with a vision of how fleeting their life is, with a vision of eternity. Lord, that they might live between two days, the day that you died on Calvary and the day that they will stand before you. Oh, dear God, help them. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I've said this, I guess, many times, but I'm not teaching this little course to a group of young people because I need something to do. I'm doing it because I want you to start off right you know, I've spent so much of my life preaching in churches to mature adults who were still, even though Christians for 20 years, 25 years, were still so uninstructed in even the fundamentals of the faith, of, of the purpose of the Christian life, had very little direction and some of them, hearing the word of God, wake up only to lament at how they had wasted so much of their previous years, not using it, not using their talents, not, not using their resources for the Lord. They lamented that they've been Christians for so long and yet knew so little about God. I don't want that to be the case with you. And it doesn't have to be that way. You can start now. Studying the word. Praying. Glorying. Disciplining. Giving. Serving. Growing in conformity to Christ. And this last passage here in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, the wise will inherit honor, but fools display dishonor. You know what the goal is for my children? Not that they graduate from the best university in the world or that they're honored of men. I would have them lose the whole world. I really would lose their life even. Lose everything. If that's what it took for them to live a life of honoring God. And so that they end their days honored of God. Because that's all that matters on that great day when you stand before him. Will you be honored by him? Or will there be shame and dishonor? Will, will there be enter into your eternal reward? Come thou. Or will there be depart from me? I never knew you. How will it go for you? That's why we're doing this study in Proverbs, not so that you can get your silly best life now. 
so that you can stand before God approved. Now, here he says, the wise will inherit honor. Who are the wise? Those who hear God's word and do it. You know, in the parable of the the house built upon the rock and the house built upon the sand, the difference was one, both of them heard the word of God in reality, but only one of them actually listened and responded correctly in obedience. The wise, the ones who hear the word of God and build their entire life upon it. And yes, I'm talking about principles. I'm talking about commands. I'm talking about all that. But none of that matters if you, first of all, have not built your life upon the gospel. Because what makes us approved on that great day is not that we understood the book of Proverbs. It's not that we, you know, we, we sought to conform our life to the law of God because all of us have failed in that. What will make us stand on that final day is only one thing. Jesus Christ shed his blood for our soul. That's it. Even now, after so many years, my only hope, my only hope is Christ died for sinners. So that's the foundation stone. That's the cornerstone. But having come to believe savingly in Christ, we also we want to live in a way that's pleasing to him. And the only way we can be wise with regard to the will of God is through the word of God. Don't let anybody fool you. Don't get all caught up in all this silliness about prophecies and dreams and visions and all these men with inflated minds saying things that are contrary to the word of God. Don't follow that mess. But listen to the word of God. Obey it and be wise. And what does the Bible promise? It says that the wise will inherit honor. The word honor here, believe it or not, is actually the word kavot, glory. The wise will inherit glory, honor. From whom? From God. I want to take us back to that passage in Romans chapter 2, uh, verse 6 it's, and verse 7. It's one of my favorite passages. Excuse me, it's been a long day. I think I've taught six classes so far. Um, Romans 2, 6 through 7. It says, Who, speaking of God, will render to each person according to his deeds? You know, we are saved and fully accepted in Christ. That's that's a truth you have to hold on to. You're standing before God is in Jesus Christ. And yet there is also another idea. Not with regard to salvation, but with regard to some element of reward that each man will be rewarded according to his deeds, each believer. And, and we need to take this seriously, as seriously as we must take that my standing, my acceptance, my title as a child of God is all founded upon the perfect work of Christ on my behalf. There's another sense in which each one of us is a steward and as a child and as a steward, as a child of God, a steward, a son and daughter of God, we will we're held accountable. For what? I'm not a held accountable for your gifts and your opportunities. I'm held accountable for my own. I need to know 
what my gifts are. I need to strengthen them and I need to apply them to every opportunity. That's kind of what I'm doing here in Proverbs. <laughs> I've been teaching eight hours today. Um, it's because I know that one day I will stand before God and have to give an account for the small gift he gave me with regard to teaching. And, and you need to take this seriously. He will render to each person according to his deeds. Then look here in verse 7. To those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. I want to tell you something. When I became Christian, this world became not enough. As a matter of fact, some, some old preachers have said that the believer's heart, once they become a, a Christian, your heart is so changed and so enlarged that if someone were to give you the whole world, it would not satisfy you. And if someone were to take the whole world away from you, it would not disappoint you. Because your heart has been made for something so much bigger. And really, it's true. I mean, what is this but a few passing days? But, but, but look what's ahead of us, young person. Just look. Look at these words. They're so, they're so powerful. To seek glory. But the glory that comes from God. The glory that God bestows. Honor. Not the honor of, of other men that are just as little and small and pitiful as we are. But the very honor that comes from God. And immortality. You know, I think of all the Roman soldiers and Greek soldiers and things that wanted to fight and die in such a way in battle so that they would be remembered. Well, I don't want to be remembered in the history books of this world. But immortality before God, to have our name written in heaven, to seek these kinds of things is why. So he says, Glory from God, honor from God, immortality from God, eternal life, which is life in the presence of God and an intimate fellowship and intimate communion with God. That's what you want to seek for. If you are wise, you will realize that God promises the child of God that they will inherit honor and that we should seek to labor and to use our gifts for the glory of God, but also for the idea and with the hope that with it comes, comes recompense, comes reward. In a way, the Christian life is like a changing of investments. When, um, when I went off to the University of Texas, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to make money. I wanted to, you know, have travel all over the world. I wanted to do so many things. And it's not that when I became a Christian, I no longer cared about investment. It's just that I changed my investments. Rather than invest everything in this temporal life, in this temporal world, it's to invest everything in eternity. The world promises you nothing. You could die tomorrow. Christ promises you eternal life. Where are you going to place your investment? Place it in Christ. The wise will inherit honor. In 1 Corinthians 4, 5, if you have your Bibles, just open up to there. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. 
Paul says, therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes. Who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's heart. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. You imagine how extraordinary this statement is. You know, I, I, I hear basketball players and football players, sometimes they'll, when they finally win an award, they go, you know, I'm, finally, I'm glad that someone is finally, you know, recognizing my talent and I'm getting the recognition I deserve. I know that sounds pitiful, but you hear it all the time. Men want glory from other men, and it is so silly. But, but Paul says, each man's praise will come to him from God. That God will honor his people. It's a win-win situation. So just go forward. Study the word. Seek to submit your life to it. When you fail, don't allow that to imprison you or stop you or stall you. Let it go and just keep going. And keep going and going. And in the end, there will be honor. Now, the opposite of that is it says... The wise will inherit honor, but fools display dishonor. Now, you need to understand that a fool in the Bible is, is more a moral term. It's not an intellectual term. It's a moral term. It's not saying that a person is not very gifted intellectually. It's not saying that a person has some sort of uh, learning disability. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, a fool can be an extremely intelligent person with a very high IQ. Fool is a moral term in which they may know what is right, but they don't do it. They don't submit to it. They do not listen to the word of God and they do not obey it. That's a fool. As a matter of fact, that's the biggest fool. You can't find a, a fool larger than that. Now, there's two ways of looking at this passage. We can translate fool as the subject, or you can translate God as the subject and fool as the object. Now, let's look at it. First of all, here in our text in the NASB, it translates fool as the subject. But fools, the subject, display dishonor. Now, the word display here literally means to raise high or exalt. So the fool will raise up and exalt that which is disgraceful, shameful, dishonorable. Okay? And we see that, don't we, today, especially in the media, in cinema, in entertainment, in sports, where that which is shameful is actually honored and that which is righteous and good dishonored immorality is lifted up and honored something that God says is utterly shameful is boasted about in our culture where prudence and purity and morality are scoffed at and mocked so the Bible says that fools display dishonor they they put shameful things on display. In Isaiah 5.20, the Bible says, Woe to those who call 
evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Today, in order to be considered a cultured person, you have to exalt the most vile, immoral perversions and not only be neutral about them, but approve them and promote them. And you must be all for the Holocaust, the murder of babies. So, I mean, look at our culture, how it displays things that are shameful. And we see it here. They call that which is good evil. And most of you watch television and movies and things like that. The clergy, the church, whatever is portrayed as evil, where that which is demonic and sensual and even deadly is promoted as moral. And we see that in our culture. Philippians 3, 18 and 19. For many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite and whose glory is their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. Philippians 3, 18 and 19. Again, that just completely and perfectly and sadly describes our culture, doesn't it? They're enemies of the cross of Christ. Sometimes I'm on an airplane or in a bus terminal or on the street and I'd be having a conversation with someone and they they enjoy it. And then I turn the conversation to the cross of Christ and they almost become what we used to say in the country, spit and angry, just angry and offended. Whose end is destruction whose God is their appetite. And that's not just talking about stomach eating and eating, but just they're constantly seeking to fulfill their lust, fulfill their lust, fulfill their lust. And like we learned in a few studies back, the greedy person is never satisfied. And the more you feed lust, the more its hunger grows. And then whose glory is their shame. They, they literally delight in and praise those things that shouldn't even be mentioned, that are so shameful they should not even enter in the, into the mind of a human being who set their minds on earthly things, on things of this earth rather than the things of heaven. When I was younger and in better health and had more time, I loved being in the outdoors. There's nothing wrong with loving the things of this earth in the sense of the beauty that still remains here, the, the fingerprints of God in so much that he's made, whether it's a beautiful, pristine ocean or white sandy beaches or tall pines or majestic mountains or the fresh air or the cool breeze or the snow on the plain. All of it is wonderful. Relationships, uh, falling in love and marriage and children and friends and good food, all that is to be enjoyed. 
We shouldn't be prudes who want to suck all the joy out of life. All those things are wonderful. But it should not be our life. Not even the good things and the wholesome things of this world should replace Christ and the creation, the world that is to come. Now, so in the NASB, which is the translation I use, fools is used as a subject. Fools display honor. They parade and display their shame, their dishonor, their wickedness, their sin. They boast about it. But now there's another way of translating this with God as the subject and fool as the object. And that's the translation of the English Standard Version and the New English translation. And it would go like this. God holds fools up to public contempt. Think about that. And that kind of fits because it says the wise will inherit honor from from not just men, but from God. But then what will happen to the fool? God will hold up the fool to public contempt. So God will honor the wise man, the righteous man publicly. Humble yourself and he will exalt you. And on that final day of judgment, the exaltation of his people, those who have believed in his son and followed him, he will exalt them publicly. Though in this world they were ridiculed and mocked and persecuted and killed, He will hold them up and honor them publicly. But the fool will be publicly disgraced. Publicly disgraced. Now, I just want to look in order to close at two passages in the New Testament. The first is found in Matthew. Here we go. Chapter 6. Talking about the religious Pharisees of Jesus' day. In verse one, he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. You know, some in one way that one of the worst things that can happen to you is for God to give you what you want. For example, a man who says, I don't want God when he dies, God gives him exactly what he wants. He doesn't want God. So he hears to part from me. I never knew you. Here we have a case where what did the religious people want? They did all their righteous deeds to be seen by other men so that they would be honored by God. And you know what's terrifying? God gave them exactly what they wanted. They wanted to be honored by men. God let them be honored by men. They wanted glory from men. They wanted to be held up and exalted by men. God gave it to them. But they lost everything because they received no Honor from God. None. And then in John chapter 5, we have another statement here. Verse 44, 
He says to the unbelievers, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? What is this talking about? It's talking about bondage, slavery. You say, what do you mean? <laughs> they became enslaved to the need of having the approval of men. And I have seen so many people fall into this category, whether it was people who did not follow Christ because they wanted the approval of this world, or especially preachers who so want the approval of this world that they will compromise their faith, their preaching, their doctrine, their character, their, their actions, everything, just so the world will think well of them. It is very, very dangerous to give in even a little bit to this desire to be honored by men because sooner or later it consumes you. You remember what I told you about the illustration from C.S. Lewis where it was the man and the, the big man and the little sin. But as time went on the, and there was a chain in between them, the man had the sin on a chain. But in time, the sin grew and the man diminished and so the sin had the man on the chain. And that's exactly what's going on here. You begin by saying, you know, oh, that would feel pretty good to get honor from men. But pretty soon, you want more and more and more and more until you are controlled by that. What does it matter? You know, the Bible says in Isaiah, stop regarding man. And it says because he's just a nose full, one nose full of breath at a time. And that's all man is. There's nothing wrong with seeking honor and glory. But you need to seek it from God. From God. And early in your life. Now listen to me. You don't want to be extreme. You don't want to be rebellious. For rebellion's sake, you don't want to fight everybody just for the sake of being able to say you fight everybody, but you've got to make a decision, young person. Are you going to live your life for God's approval or for man's approval? Because those two normally don't go together. They really don't. Live your life in such a way that on your deathbed, you have no regrets or you have the least amount of regrets possible. Now, in our next lesson, we're just going to do a summary of we've been through tr three chapters now in the book of Proverbs. And uh, if you if you take this course in homeschooling, it should take you about nine years to get through it. but. We've been through the first three chapters, so one-tenth of Proverbs, and we're just going to kind of do a really quick summary of what's in those three chapters, and then we'll go on to chapter four. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society.